Uh, I became a Christian when I was 17 years old. And from the very beginning of my walk with God, I had this intimate relationship with Jesus. Um, I think one of the reasons why I felt that intimacy with him was because it was easy for me to imagine um, him being my friend. And that's when I, when I, was, when I related to God, I, I often related to God. Jesus is God, right? I often related God to God as my friend Jesus because that was easy for me to relate to. It was, it's also easy for me to relate to God as Father because I, have, I had a great relationship with my Father. So it was pretty easy for me to conceptualize this relationship with God the Father. Now I say all that to um, confess to you that I haven't always had an intimate relationship with God the Holy Spirit. Um, there's, there's always been, or not always, but for the longest time there was this disconnect, a stumbling block between the intimacy that um, I had with God the Father and God the Son and the intimacy that I wanted to have with the Holy Spirit. Which seems strange because one of the things that we've learned as part of this all-church study that we have been part of, and those of you that are guests and visitors with us, we have been in the midst of an all-church study entitled, What's So Spiritual About Your Gifts? And ultimately, it's a study about the Holy Spirit. And what we have learned in this study is that when you accept Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells you. It resides within you, which is about as close as two people can get, I would say, right? So why the disconnect? And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that has this disconnect. In the small group that I lead on Wednesday mornings, we've talked about this. I asked other people if they had the same disconnect between intimacy with the Holy Spirit um, as opposed to the intimacy that they felt with God the Son, Jesus, and God the Father. And almost everyone said, yeah. They, they've got the same issue. There's a stumbling block of some sort between this relationship between us and the Holy Spirit. And I asked them why. What do you think is the reason? And some people suggested that, that um, the reason why we often have a disconnect between our relationship with us and the Holy Spirit is because the church, and I'm talking about the pastor really, but the church has done a bad job teaching about the Holy Spirit, or re even referring to the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, I could just confess to you, my, I, when I refer to God, I, most often I refer to Him as Jesus. And I very seldom refer to God or pray to God, Holy Spirit. So I, the church has done a bad job teaching on the Holy Spirit, quite honestly. But there's another reason that we identified to it or we identified. And, and that is that it, because it's easy for us to conceptualize relationship with a friend and with a father, we gravitate towards those things. But how do you conceptualize relationship with a spirit, right? That's, it just, it's just harder. Um, I say all that to confess that none of that is my biggest stumbling block. And my guess is that none of that is your biggest stumbling block either. The truth of the matter is this, my friends. This is what I believe. I believe if 
Indeed, it's true that you have, there's a stumbling block in the intimacy that you have with God, the Holy Spirit. The stumbling block is the requirement that the Holy Spirit has of you and me in order to be in relationship. So the next question ought to be, well, wait a minute. What is the requirement? What does the Holy Spirit require of me or you to be in relationship? To be in intimate relationship with one another? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Good news, right? So, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to the New Testament book of Ephesians. And um, by the way, that's on page 1162, I think, of your church Bibles, if that's what you're using. And as we delve into this, this passage of Scripture, I think we're going to discover exactly what the Holy Spirit does require of us in order to be in relationship, intimate relationship with Him. As you're looking that up, let me take just a minute to kind of set a, a, a context or an overview of, of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, or the letter of Ephesians, is... Um, not unlike Paul's other letters in that it has two primary purposes. The first purpose of Paul's letter to the Ephesians was to teach theology, to teach the church theology. And what is theology? Theology is the understanding of God. In essence, what he's trying to do here is he's trying to teach us what a Christian believes or what a Christian ought to believe. He uses that um, that is, is part of the foundation that, um, that he wants to uh, lay for us as the church. He wants to teach us the fundamental Christian tenets of the Christian faith. One of, and a perfect example of that is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It's probably the most fundamental Christian theology that you can learn. And, and there, the, uh, the Apostle Paul, empowered by the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit, right? He says, we Christians have been saved by grace through faith, and this not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. Now that's a lot of religious words, but basically what he's saying there, the Christian theology that he's teaching there in chapter 2, is that our salvation isn't about us. It's not about what we do, it's about what Jesus has already done, right? That's fundamental Christian theology right there. It's not about us. Our salvation isn't dependent upon us and what we do, but on what Jesus did. Okay? But, one of the things that I love most about uh, the Apostle Paul, guided by the Holy Spirit, is that he never just leaves it there. I mean, theology is a beautiful thing, but if theology isn't applied if it isn't practical, what good is it really? So Paul spends much of his time in his letter to the Ephesians giving practical application of Christian theology. He gives practical, specific things about what it ought to look like, what Christian theology ought to look like specifically in your life. And our passage for today um, is, a, is a very specific practical application of what Christian theology should look like in your life. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 is our passage for today. And it begins like this. Have you guys got it? 
Ephesians 5.18, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, remember that, never forget, it's the Holy Spirit that has inspired him to say these things. Practical application of theology, he says, do not get drunk with wine. That's about, that's pretty specific, isn't it? Do not get drunk with wine. I'm going to stop right there for just a second because there's a couple things I want you to notice about that. In this part of the verse, the Apostle Paul does not say that it's wrong to drink wine. But a lot of people interpret this verse and use this verse as their theology for why Christians shouldn't drink alcohol. But that's not what it's saying. And, and by the way, he, in this same verse, by singling out wine, he's not suggesting that other alcoholic beverages are okay to get drunk with. Right? Okay. You see, here's, here's my point. What's going on here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse, verse 18, really, when you look at it from a 10,000 foot perspective, isn't about alcohol at all. But if it's not about alcohol, what is it about? Well, you probably should read the rest of the verse, right? <laughs> Let's read the rest of the verse. It says, so in Ephesians 5.18, he says, um, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, which basically debauchery is to be immoral or not act appropriately, right? Do not get drunk with wine, but instead... Be filled with what? With who? The Holy Spirit. Now listen to me very closely. Ultimately what the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is teaching in this verse, and he's, using, he's really using not getting drunk with wine as a specific example of something that is fundamentally important. And that fundamentally uh, important Christian theology is the issue of control. Did you hear that? He's talking about the fundamental Christian theology of control. When a person gets drunk with wine or any other alcoholic beverage, what is controlling them? The alcoholic beverage, right? He says, do not get drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't let the alcohol be the thing that is controlling you. Instead, as a Christian, let the, let the Holy Spirit control you. Now, the truth of the matter is, there is a whole list of things that we human beings let control us. Truth? Well, I can name a few of them. How about this one? Do not get drunk with greed. Do not get drunk on money, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do not get drunk on popularity, but instead be filled with the Spirit. You see where I'm going with this? This is an issue of control. And every time, listen to me, this is, this is a big deal. Every time we allow something other than the Holy Spirit to control us, guess what happens? 
the relationship, the intimacy we have with the Holy Spirit is broken. Which leads us back to the first question that we started with. What is the biggest stumbling block that we human beings have in having an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit? It's that we're not sure we want the Holy Spirit to be in control. Truth? We're not sure we want that. But that's what's required. It's not a suggestion. You know when people talk about the Ten Commandments with the not the Ten Suggestions? Well, this is even bigger than that. If you want to have relationship with the Holy Spirit, you are required to give control to the Holy Spirit. You're required. Every time the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, may I use you, you're, the requirement is for you to say yes. If you want to be in intimate relationship with Him. Now, having said all that, let me say, in addition, that you're on a journey. Meaning that there will be some days you will give control of the Holy Spirit. Give your life, the Holy Spirit control of your life. Some days you will do that. And sometimes in the same day, you will take it right back. Let <laughs> me say amen to that. God knows that's going to happen. You are on a journey. And sometimes the journey is two steps forward and one step back. And thankfully, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is patient, gracious, and kind. Meaning that when we break relationship by saying we don't want you to be in control, it doesn't mean that He's going to stop pursuing you. Pursuing being in relationship with you. Pursuing wanting to use you as a vessel. He's not going to stop. I don't believe that He ever stops pursuing us and, and hoping that we will say yes. But here's a warning. Um, I've, I've used this analogy before and it probably, I believe it bears repeating because it makes, to me it makes a lot of sense. Um, look at your hands for just a second. My guess is, if you look at your hands, um, you either have or have had a callus on your hand at one point or another, haven't you? What caused that callus? Repetition, right? Rep repetition of something. It, it, before the callus was formed, um, you start using it in a certain way, and it probably was tender, right? And, and ouchy, maybe even a little bit. But after enough repetition, you start to build the callus, and it stops being quite so sensitive, right? Till one day, you actually get to the point where maybe the callus is thick enough that you don't feel it anymore at all, right? What I, what I need you to hear today that it, is that it's possible to have spiritual calluses. It is possible to repetitiously say no to the Holy Spirit to the point that one day you may come 
to a place where you don't sense the Holy Spirit moving in your life at all. It's not because the Holy Spirit has stopped moving or pursuing. It's not that at all. It's that the, the callous has become so thick that you don't even sense it anymore. So be careful. So the question is, well, when do you get to that point? Right? I don't know. The good news is, the fact that you're here today is an indication, at the very least, that you're not there yet. It's possible that you've been sensing the moving of the Holy Spirit in this worship service today. Maybe you haven't had the vocabulary to articulate it, but you know that something's happening in the space, in you. That's a good sign that you're not, th- that you're not there yet. And I'll promise you that He never stops pursuing you. And each time you say yes, that becomes, a rep- that becomes like the filing down of that. Each time you say yes, it, it, it builds back up the intimacy of the relationship too. You see, ultimately what we've been talking about here today um, is when we've talked about this fundamental um, Christian theology called control. Another word for it is lordship, right? And God requires of us that we make Him Lord. And the place where that starts is by accepting Jesus as your Savior. Coming here was a good start. Listening to this message was awesome, but, but the place where the relationship begins, must begin, is required to begin, is by you making the conscious decision to accept Jesus as your Lord. To invite Him into your heart, confess that you're a sinner, And that your redemption depends on Him and not you. And then letting Him be in charge. Letting Him be in control. If you've never done that, maybe today is the day you should. Maybe that sense or that that thing you're feeling inside of you right now is the Holy Spirit saying, I've been trying to get you here for a very long time. Let's do this thing. It's just one step at a time. It's a journey, remember? Don't, don't see the devils whispering in your ear saying, saying, well, you, you're, you, you know, I know you. You might say yes to this moment in the prayer room over there with Pastor Craig, but I know as soon as you get home, you're going to go back to wanting to be in control. Haven't we already talked about this? This is a journey. Say yes today, right now, and let tomorrow or the next 15 minutes take care of themselves, okay? Right over there is our prayer room. Um, It'd be my privilege to pray that prayer with you, but you do not need me. The truth of the matter is you have access to the very throne room of God just because you're a child of the King. But if you need 
encouragement, I'd be privileged to pray that prayer with you. And if there's anything else going on in your life that you'd like uh, prayer for and with, 